Hi, I'm Amelia, and I'm going to be reading Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 to 18. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land your Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the way the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whenever or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors know, had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciples his son, so the Lord your God disciples you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out of the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his degrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are set aside, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions." He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors has never known, to humble and test you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If I, I may have missed saying this already, my name is Dave uh, and I'm one of the pastors on staff at St. Clair. Uh, it's a joy to be able to, to offer you a word this morning. Um, I would like to start with a question for us, uh, and that is, what do you hunger for? Like quite literally, what, what makes you hungry? What, what are you hungry for? Uh, I'm hungry for a great many things, for love. Uh, food is a love of mine. Uh, I love food. My missional family can attest to this, that um, that no stone goes unturned when it comes to food on the table and if I'm around. Uh, and I've confessed before you that uh, I have a great love for popcorn. Um, <laughs> and I should say that Jay Pierce has been very clear with me that, Dave, it is not popcorn, it's popcorn. Corn. So I, I, I've learned something along the way. Um, but I, I have learned of myself, or I've come to realize that uh, I have a love that may rival my love for popcorn, and that is my love for chocolate. Uh, I think pretty much every day I hunger for chocolate, and I'm, 
I don't know that I really discriminate uh, on the time of day at which I would want or crave chocolate. It is, it's honestly a daily question in our house after dinner where I will at some point turn to Jen and say, babe, do we have any chocolate? Uh, and she very wisely has learned to hide and stash different portions of chocolate because she knows that if I get my hands on it all at once, it takes a lot of self-restraint. Uh, to not eat the whole thing of a 75% decadent dark chocolate with a just hint of sea salt. Hey, I, I hope you get the point. I hunger for chocolate. I like chocolate. Uh, there are a great many things that I would hunger for when it comes to food. And what is it that you hunger for? But perhaps in a much deeper and much more real sense, what are the things that, that we hunger for? What are the things that we couldn't really imagine living without? And maybe you, you can think of that in terms of food, but think about that in terms of just life. What are the things that we need most? What do we crave? What are, what are the things that we long for? What do we hunger for? Uh, and that brings us, I think, to the passage is offered us in Deuteronomy, where Moses is saying to his people, for man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What, I, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to hunger for the words of God, just like we would hunger for food? that it would be that core, that sort of essential to us that we could not live without it. We're looking, I, I sort of found my way to Deuteronomy in thinking and reflecting on our practice of Scripture. We've been going through talking about the practices that hold us, that teach us to live the way of Jesus. And this week we were talking about Scripture. And it's in the book of Deuteronomy where there's this pretty amazing moment. I, 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 it might actually be my favorite book of the Old Testament. Not that I know it well. I just find it so fascinating every time I read it because it's the moment when Moses is standing up. It's his final hurrah in front of the people that are about to enter the promised land after they've had 40 years of being in the wilderness, in the desert, the moment has finally come and Moses sort of drops these words and says, I'm not going with you. I can't. The Lord won't let me, but here's what you need to know. And he tells back to the Israelites again their story that they would know what matters most of where God has brought them from and what where he's taking them to. And in it, he says so much about their story and their history. He opens up in Deuteronomy 1 and he says, Hey, don't, Israel, don't you forget, you grumbled in your tents wishing you could go back to Egypt because it was more comfortable. But God has been with you. He carried you up out of Egypt. He has been with you in the wilderness. Just like the Lord has carried you through this time, like a father has carried a son. There's this expression of incredible intimacy. And actually, the more that I read this, this section of Deuteronomy, I realized there's actually a lot more to be had here in how we think and talk and understand 
the place of wilderness for God's people and for the life of Jesus and for what that means for us right now, specifically in this COVID season of life. So this this is actually going to be a two-part teaching. This morning, I'm going to zero in on scripture and that practice for us. And actually next week, I'm going to We'll spend some more time together looking and thinking, talking about the theme of wilderness and how that informs, shapes, gives imagination to what our life looks like right now. I mean, it's in Deuteronomy 4 where Moses is saying, oh, I need you to remember people of God that you are not like the other nations. And he says in verse 7 of chapter 4, he says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them the way the Lord our God is near to us when we pray to him? He's saying, oh, don't you forget, Israel, that you are God's treasured possession. And then in Deuteronomy 6, he comes with the, the Shema. He says, these commands I've given you today, and this is Moses speaking to his people, that you are to have them on your hearts, to impress them on your children, to talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk around along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your households and on your gates. He's saying, whatever you do, do not forget who God is to you and the words, the words he has spoken to you. So Moses is saying, put it everywhere. Do everything you can to be immersed in and soaked in this identity, this unique identity of you as God's people. Let God's words anchor you that in, in that reality. Put it everywhere. Let it be a reminder to you wherever you go. And then in Deuteronomy 8, as it was read for us, he's saying, you were humbled in the desert. And it caused you to hunger, and then I fed you with manna, which no one else had known the taste of. I taught you something, and I provided for you in such a unique and special way. But I need you to know that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is what Moses said, do not forget. This is of utmost importance to you. And I, my, my guess is that for many of us, I won't assume for all of us, but for many of us, we may know some of that in theory. We, we may know in theory or, you know, in, uh, in perhaps an abstract way that, yeah, God's word, scripture, the Bible, it's important. Or yes, it's more important than other things. But is it, is it essential? Is it the thing that, that we can't live without? And I think maybe some of us sort of know in theory, but there's a gap between what we know of that and how we actually experience it. And there's just challenges to how we engage with Scripture. And I say engage with Scripture and that most of the time that would imply reading Scripture, but it could also mean listening to Scripture. There, there are other ways that I would um, be implying when I say engaging Scripture. And one one of the challenges that I think we face is that Scripture just doesn't work like other information. We can't just scroll through until we we find the thing that grabs our attention 
or just looking for the one thing that affirms what we want to hear and then move on. We can't just swipe through until we're inspired by something. We, we can, but eventually we'll be disappointed or frustrated that it doesn't work for us like we make everything else work for us. Scripture's just not, it's not the same that way. And scripture, it's, it's authoritative. And I don't even have the time or space to define well uh, what that means uh, for us and, and how I would try to offer a definition of that for us. But plain and simple, I just, I don't know how many of us actually like submitting to something. And the scripture is offered to us as this authoritative word. And so there's, I think there's actually a wrestling match with how we learn to submit to God's word as authoritative in our life. Scripture is not sort of a fashion that we search through um, or to sort of find an outfit for the day um, or what we think. <laughs> this is the beauty of broadcasting from home is that someone just knocked on my door and they are looking for a conversation, but I can't give it to them right now. So I can see them through my front door. So folks, we're live real time. Uh, I am just going to have to keep with this and ignore what I can see that you cannot see. Okay. Um, my dog's keeping watch over the door though. So we're going to be okay. Um, scripture, where were my thoughts? Scripture, uh, it's, it's not like this fashion that we sort of just pick and choose from the rack uh, and we like can just sort of search through to find our outfit for the day and just f- kind of pick and choose what fits us and then dismiss the rest. Scripture doesn't, it doesn't fit like that. It doesn't work like that. Eugene Peterson says uh, really brilliantly, he, he's the one who translates scripture into the message translation or paraphrase for us. And so he just has this beautiful depth and grasp of the word of God. He says, spiritual theology using scripture as text does not present us with a moral code and tell us live up to this. Nor does it set out a system of doctrine and say, think like this and you will live well. The biblical way is to tell a story and telling and telling the invite. Sorry, the biblical way is to tell a story and then being invited to live into this. That the Bible is describing here. This is what it looks like to be human in this God made God-ruled world. This is what is involved in becoming mature human beings. We do, Peterson goes on to say this, we do violence to the biblical revelation when we use it for what we can get out of it or what we think will provide color and spice to an otherwise bland life. He, He equates it to saying it's, kind of extracting just the parts that we like out of Scripture is kind of like this like decorative spirituality. And Scripture doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. It's, we're supposed to take the Bible in differently. It requires something more of us. 
It's quite a bit in scripture that the word or, or sort of the description of how to engage scripture uh, comes with the word to meditate. And the Hebrew word for meditate actually implies a sense of like a lion being upon its prey, that it's it's meditating over its food right in front of it. It's, it's almost kind of has this like growl of giving its full attention to devour on, to chew on, to digest, to savor on this thing in front of it. And we are invited over and over again to meditate on the words of God. Remember Psalm 1, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. We read, we engage with the Bible for wisdom, not for information. We engage it to be transformed, not for better strategies on how to live a better life. And this is why I think scripture is different and unique than any other thing that we're going to come across as a way of knowing God. Is that because through scripture, God is actually offering himself. And so it requires that we show up. The reading, engaging scripture demands a vulnerability from us that we be present in listening to the word because he is the word. That Jesus is the living embodiment of the word. And that in the word, we hear the voice of God. And so we can't just work our way through it like we would many other things to get what we want. Scripture brings us to a place of knowing God and being known by God. Both are happening in this engaging of Scripture in our life. As we think about Jesus, Jesus' words and what it means to recover our life, especially in this unique time of COVID, you know, what does it look like to get away with Jesus and to learn the unforced rhythms of grace? As the world goes back and forth on how to define what an essential service is, what, what are the things that are essential for our life? What do we need? What can we not live without in order to live a thriving and flourishing life as God intended it? How do we learn to keep company with Jesus so that we can know how to live freely and lightly? Does scripture make our own personal list of essentials? Is listening for God's voice the voice of the one who calls us beloved and essential, as essential to us as the very bread that we would eat. I think the task of engaging with scripture will always feel like a task, just laden with guilt or driven by striving or thick with mundane obligation, unless we make a choice to say that we can't actually live without it. Let me, I, I'm going to offer us a few kind of practical suggestions. Uh, I know there's been a certain irony in that we've been talking about our practices and, and sometimes we haven't been able to have the space to offer 
the examples or the, the ways to practice the practice. So I, I want to do that hopefully in a helpful way to think about scriptures, some things that will help us moving forward from here. If you find reading scripture for whatever reason, if it's proved difficult for you, and that it maybe in your recent experience, it's just grown stale or stagnant, and the thought of being immersed and passionate about scripture just seems like a pretty tall order, here would be my first recommendation. Read Psalm 119. It may take a while. It is the longest chapter in scripture, but you will hear a huge collection of writers share about their love for God's law, his ways, his words. You could read it in small snippets. You could read it all in one go. It doesn't actually really matter. But for these writers, for these people, for them, God's ways, his laws, his words, it was the bread that they could not live without. And you hear it as you hear their words. Spend time in Psalm 119 may help in letting someone else's passion and delight kind of rub off on us. Let me give you a snippet. Psalm 119, verse 9 to 16. How can those who are young keep their way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So if you, if you don't know where to start uh, in learning to delight in God's word, maybe start with Psalm 119. Here, here would be another suggestion or recommendation. Try reading scripture out loud. And if you can, read it out loud together with others. I realize that may require some kind of creativity uh, in the place we find ourselves right now. But if we kind of zoom back from where we find ourselves in history, for majority of history, Scripture has been shared and received orally. It has been passed down from one generation to the next through actual voice. We are, where we find ourselves right now, we're in a small and unique percentage of God's people who can read and engage with Scripture totally on our own. That is not the way things have always been. And so I wonder if maybe, and I've heard others say this, so I'm, I'm, uh, it's more than just my wondering, uh, but maybe there's something powerful in reclaiming hearing God's word spoken that it would help our imagination for what it is to, to see these moments like Deuteronomy, where you hear the passion of Moses declaring these words one last time to his people, or to wonder what it was like to hear Jesus preach from a boat to a crowd listening on shore. Or reading it and hearing it aloud might help us to sort of feel the intimacy of receiving one of Paul's letters that were written from prison. 
there's some nuance and there's there's some depth that can come out that can allow us to hear God's words afresh when it's not simply just internalized on our own. Hearing it read by others and listening to it with others may help us just not to think about what does this mean for myself, but it helps us to say, what does this mean for those who are hearing it with me? This is why the reading of Scripture is really important to the life of our missional families. It's one of the key practices that, that we have together. I'll go back to Eugene Peterson. Uh, he has strong words for uh, living a very isolated, individualized life, especially in terms of Scripture. He says, when we privatize Scripture, we embezzle the common currency of God's revelation. But Scripture is never that. The revelation draws us out of ourselves out of our fiercely guarded individuality and into a world of responsibility and community and salvation. That's good. And here will be my my third kind of short, quick, practical offering. Uh, Create time and space that just works for you for engaging with Scripture. I wonder, you know, for how many of us, and I wonder this because this has often been my own experience, is we get stuck with scripture because in our minds we've created the ideal Bible reading plan or the ideal devotional life, and then it can never seem to kind of become reality in the way that we think or the way that we think it it has to. And then eventually maybe we just don't try or we give up very easily. So here's my recommendation. Take the ideal and scrap it. I, like COVID has taught us many things about ideals. And that is, for I think most of the time, we have to let them die. And so maybe there's actually a part of our own walk with Jesus where we take the ideals, the things that we're always sort of wishing or wanting, but it keeps us actually further stuck and, and feeling more and more distant from God. We need to just let those die and take what we can do and let it grow. Plant some seeds. Engage with small bits of scripture at a time and let it bud into something more. Our job is to give it a chance to grow by cultivating the ground in which it is planted. That Our, our job is sort of to create an environment in which the word of God can just be nurtured and nur- like nourished in our life. And, and what I mean by this is being intentional with the time and space and place that we give attention to for scripture, to listen for the voice of our shepherd. I think it's highly personal. I don't like, I think it looks very different from person to person as you figure out how that works for you, but figure out, make a decision, do be, um, go beyond just good intention to create good space, to create a posture of listening. And for me, (laughs) 
Uh, I know my spiritual director and my wife laugh at this, but uh, I do it because I think I kind of need it, at least at this stage. Um, part of my rhythm right now is, is first thing in the morning, and it's in quiet, uh, and my engaging with scripture, I spend an extended time in silence before, and I'll read and I'll journal to just kind of let my my thoughts get worked out with God, and then I'll spend time in scripture, and my attention is there, and I, I actually put a timer with it so that I don't give myself the easy option to opt out when I just find myself getting bored or distracted uh, or easily kind of pulled in another direction. I actually sort of need a guideline to help me stick with it. And And I have found that really helpful. But you may not be a morning person. So remember, scrap the ideal. But at the very least, and then let me offer it this way. Paul in his his letters, there's a few times where he's very clear in his instruction to believers where he says, this is not a command from God. This is just my personal opinion that I would think you should listen to, but you can decide what to do with it. So Paul models that. I'm going to dare to follow that and say, this is not a command from God, but I would hope that you would pay attention to this. And that is, however you figure out Your way of engaging with scripture, however big or small those bits may be, whether it comes first of the day, last of the day, middle of the day, make sure that your phone is not the first thing you look at in the morning or the last thing you look at at night. That's my offering. To be attentive and listening to meditate on the words of God and the ways of God, it requires a ruthless elimination of distraction. Because it is this vulnerable act of being present before God as we listen for his voice through his word. And you will be in a losing battle if you're trying to make scripture compete for your attention with the 20 other things that you've already filled your mind with. The work of engaging scripture requires our whole self because it is in and through scripture that we see the whole of God revealed. It's in the image of Jesus that we see the invisible God, that what was unknown is made known to us. And through scripture and what we do know, we now hold as a mystery as it's words that get written on our heart. And so as we come to communion together, it is the constant reminder of what we truly hunger and thirst for. That is the presence of God in us and with us. St. Clair, as we look to depart from our time together this morning, we should just really hope that uh, you have some creative way of enjoying the warmth of the sun today. Um, I think we need some of those simple things to remind us of beauty and just uh, just to be refreshed in what has been a long season and uh what may continue to be. And so with with so much unknown, uh, all the more we want to be a community who rests on God's words, God's promises to us as it's given in Scripture, that it would serve as an anchor 
to navigate this this reality for us. Um, I want to read for us uh, Paul's prayer in Philippians 1. These are the words that came to mind as I thought and prayed about this for our community. Um, Because I have very little to no interest in speaking about God for the sake of just knowing stuff about God. It would be the hope for my own life and the hope for our lives that uh, the way in which we learn to meditate and engage with Scripture uh, would be our way of knowing God himself, that we would come to know the presence of God with us and for us. And so, as Paul says, and this is my prayer, St. Clair, that you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be, may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. St. Clair, you are loved. Uh, It's good to be with you this morning. We trust that you are well wherever you find yourself. Uh, So would you go in peace?